Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful but rainy Alpharetta. (laughs) And uh, folks, just a quick reminder that Renaissance Bank has finished in the top 10 of customer surveys conducted nationwide by organizations like Forbes Magazine, like Time Magazine. Uh, And they've done that, I think, uh, because I've got experience dealing with Renaissance. I think they've finished in those uh, high in those polls simply because they do great work for clients on a personal basis, but they have all the services that you need for your small business. At least that's what I've found. And I think they're growing because uh, they're uh, offering that uh, kind of combination to their customers. So if you're looking for a better banking experience for your business, go to renaissancebank.com and find their local office. They've got some 200 around the Southeast and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Don Lang. Don is with Blue Key Partners. Don, welcome. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be here. Hey, it's great to have you here. Let's talk about you and Blue Key Partners. How are you serving folks out there? Very good. So, yes, so Blue Key Partners, what we do is we work with clients to help them assess, select, and develop talent. We do that through um, custom leadership development programs and learning solutions. And we also provide advisory services and training to firms who want to improve how they hire and uh, keep top talent. Well, there's not much demand for that these days. <laughs> not <right>? at all. <laughs> That's You'd have to a, be I, in a cave yeah. to, to not realize how important talent is today. Exactly. I think everyone is having the, pro- the problem of talent acquisition, uh, to use one phrase for it, um, certainly. But uh, before we get into some of the work that you do, Don, t- give us a little background on you and your journey and, and uh, what really fires you up about this particular uh, work in talent acquisition. Sure, sure, absolutely. So uh, my background is really kind of eclectic. Early career was in human resources. I've been in operations management uh, in several different roles, anything from managing a uh, an IT operation to some medical claim processing centers. Uh, later joined uh, some a consulting firm, did some um, uh, channel marketing work mm-hmm. for a software firm, and later uh, worked a- around change management and executive coaching. And in that process, uh, became uh, acutely aware, really, of how important selecting talent was right. uh, for an organization. And so, uh, starting uh, my own business uh, in 2002, uh, that was one of the core areas, mm-hmm. uh, helping uh, companies uh, with the selection process, how to assess talent, how to, uh, how to select it, how to develop it. And that sort of led to... Uh, training programs, executive coaching programs, and so forth. And uh, have always had a passion for uh, 
going back to really my first job was in, in, in HR was around recruitment. Mm-hmm. So I got to see over the course of years how people make such a big difference in business. And that was uh, actually an introduction. I, I started doing some teaching at uh, Kennesaw State in the executive MBA program. And really the first course was around uh, talent acquisition, mm. how to select and uh, onboard and develop talent. That's something uh, in, in an executive MBA program, it wasn't uh, part of the curriculum yeah. at that point. And they realized uh, that's something missing for managers, mm-hmm. right? To, to not have that skill. Right. And so very important to do that. And I certainly enjoyed um, and have enjoyed my time uh, teaching uh, middle managers, senior managers, uh, first level managers around those topics. You know, I think uh, maybe there's a perception out there that this problem just started. I mean, uh, maybe in the last year or two, um, and certainly maybe during the pandemic. But the 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 problem of talent acquisition, getting the right people in the right places, uh, that's been a an issue for businesses for quite a while. Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right. There is a lot of talk recently in the mm-hmm. last couple of years about how acute the problem is. This problem's have uh, been around as long as people have had to hire right. uh, someone. It just seems like it's more difficult right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you think about hiring, um, oftentimes managers um, are in a sort of a knee-jerk reaction to hiring, right? Someone left, uh, I need to fill that job, and I need to do it in a hurry, so let me get uh, – started on that process and I'm going to pick probably the first person that comes along that seems to meet the qualifications. Mm -hmm. And in reality, you should always be in a hiring mode, always have a talent mindset that you should always be scouting for talent, thinking about the talent you have. That's, uh, that's been uh, a, a measure of success for people over the years, over mm-hmm. decades, yeah. people who do that are in a much better position when they do need to hire someone. It is not a, oh, now what am I going to do? Uh, I don't have anybody. Uh, no one's responding to my posting, that kind of thing, right? So, Well, and you, you talk a lot uh, in your book, and we're going to shout your book out. It's called Hire the Best, uh, Find, Interview, and Select top talent. Um, you talk a lot about the cost of a bad hire. Yeah. I think people understand this intellectually, but, but put some, put some, uh, uh, meat on those bones, if you will. No, you're absolutely right, John. It is an intellectual, uh, understanding, but very few companies, leaders ever put any, um, dollars Mm -hmm. to it. And the reality is if uh, you look at Bureau of Labor Statistics numbers, they're very conservative. Oftentimes it's, it's one times the annual compensation mm. is the cost of a bad hire. In reality, in most organizations, it's even more than that, right? When you start adding up the cost of re-recruiting someone into a position, the, the cost of processing someone out of an organization – 
damaged customer relationships, right? Impact on the team itself. Maybe team members leave. Goals that you don't achieve. One of the client organizations I did work for a number of years ago looked at, uh, did a real accounting financial study, right, of, of what happens when a plant manager, that was what they wanted to look at, plant manager making about $150,000 a year, mm-hmm. they figured the cost of a bad hire to be $1.8 million. Wow. And so that was all, it, it, it encompassed all the collateral kind of damage as well as the actual payroll processing cost and time spent in terms of re-recruiting and so on and so forth. But we often don't think about the cost Mm -hmm. being that significant. And yet uh, we'll spend a lot of time looking at software, right? Mm -hmm. Purchasing new software, purchasing new technology for a business, new uh, a lease, rental office lease, uh, those kinds of things, even a copy machine. We might do more financial analysis of what the cost of that is, but not so much when it comes to hiring. Yeah, for sure. Don Lang is with us, folks. He is with Blue Key Partners. So, uh, Don, let's talk about a talent mindset. And I think you touched on this a little bit about always be looking for great talent. Um, but one of the things you say in there that I I really want to get to is building a talent brand. What do you mean by that? Yes. So back to the knee jerk reaction often Mm -hmm. happens, you know, the question becomes, well, how come I'm not finding any talent? How come no one's applying, whatever a talent mindset involves looking at your, um, talent just as you would look at your product or services to the marketplace, right? You need to have a a brand, a reputation in the talent marketplace. You need to have a value proposition, right? So why would someone want to come to work for your organization? How aware are they of the benefits of joining your team, Mm -hmm. right? And so this this idea of a talent brand is what is your reputation? And you can sit down and do that exercise yourself by asking, well, why why would anyone want to come to work here? Right? Why what are they gonna get from this besides a paycheck? Right? Are they are they going to get uh, growth and development? Are they gonna learn new things? Are they um, gonna be part of a a bigger purpose in terms of what we're uh, providing um, to a market? What is it about working with great teammates and so forth? So what are some of those things that that people can say are part of the value proposition? And what's the reputation? How widespread is that is that acknowledgement of the brand out in the marketplace? In right. other words, is it a secret or does everybody <laughs> know about it, right? Right. Right? right. If, if you start asking people, what's it like to work at XYZ? Do you have brand evangelists out there saying, oh, you want to apply right. to that company because they're great. They have great, uh, you know, they have a great employment opportunity and it's a, it's a great place to work. It's a fun place. You'd get a lot out of that. So that's part of the brand. Think of the brand as your reputation, just as 
um, Coca-Cola has a reputation or Delta Airlines has a reputation or, you know, your favorite retailer has a reputation, right? Yeah, and it's uh, not just about buying ping pong tables, right? I mean, you've you've got to have some substance behind that. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um so you know, I'm I'm um uh what do you think is the I guess the biggest obstacle that companies have toward having this mindset, building this talent mindset? I'm going to posit uh, an idea Sure. Um, maybe they don't have enough third-party objective, fresh looks at what's going on on the inside. Could that be it, yes, or is there yeah. something else? Well, I mean, that's that's certainly a, a factor. Because yeah. oftentimes I'm busy doing what I think my job is, which is to produce a product or mm-hmm. a service for the customer, right? What I'm often not thinking about is how am I um, – focused on the people who are involved in building the product or uh, delivering the service Mm -hmm. to my customer, because it's the people that are on my team that are actually doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if I'm, if I'm only focused on the technology or the process or whatever, but I leave the people out, I think most of your listeners would agree that people make a big difference in business, right? right? In terms of its success, in mm-hmm. terms of whether you're accomplishing goals, in terms of whether you're uh, engaging your customers. And so uh, not paying attention to that uh, is, um, you know, is, is a frequent situation. To your point, sometimes it takes a third party. It mm-hmm. takes someone else that has an objective view to come in and ask a few questions and and expose or create awareness around well here's some things that you could be doing yeah. about that have you thought about that right so right. so that is uh, a case of of creating more awareness as a way to begin to figure out what's my action plan for building a brand and a value proposition so that i do have uh the kind of talent mindset that i need to keep attracting top people do you think that part of the problem is that um, when you talk about middle management having their head down, focused on kind of on results, um, but how much of that comes from senior management that really doesn't? Uh, oftentimes, uh, it does. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't. Uh, yeah, doesn't hold people accountable for the talent. Yes, yeah. aspect of it. Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If if senior management in an organization is not promoting this idea about a talent mindset. Mm-hmm. It's hard for a middle manager to, or a frontline manager to pay attention to it, to be right. focused on it, right? Sure. There's no accountability. There's no reward or recognition right. for doing that. Now, that said, uh, what I find is sometimes a middle manager can, on his or her own, make a commitment to doing that as a way to be able to produce better results, mm-hmm. right? That they... They shine on their own, not because senior leaders uh, encourage them to do that necessarily, but because they decide that this is important for me to be able to produce uh, results, engage my customers, be successful, is to have top talent on my team. So I'm going to do this myself, even if 
everybody else in the organization isn't, and I'm going to focus on it. I love that. Um, it's always possible to do the right thing that you got to do for your company and for for your team. Um, so let's talk about some specifics about, um, the hiring process itself. Um, candidate selections. We hear a lot of stories about, um, you know, uh, the difficulty in dealing with candidates and, uh, ghosting and all that kind of yeah, stuff. So yeah. let, let's, what are, what are some of your thoughts on how, how uh, companies and their managers should enter into this process? Sure. Absolutely. So besides having a talent mindset where you're always um, in a sort of recruiting mode, if you will, you build a virtual bench, first of all. Mm-hmm. So you have talent that you've become aware of that have the potential to fill jobs in your organization that's a those people may be external to your company they may be inside your company but you're aware of them and those are the people that you have dialogue with as a way to begin to figure out who's a potential fit in my organization when you get down to specifics however you're going to start the whole process by looking at a um, job and candidate spec Mm. Right. Oftentimes we'll look at job descriptions in many companies, which are fine, but what they talk about are activities, duties mm-hmm. and responsibilities. They mm. don't really talk about outcomes. Yeah. And in, and in our book, we talk about what uh, a job spec is. And a job spec is what are the most important outcomes that need to be accomplished in, in this role, right? In, uh, in this combination of of um, assignments, if you will, or projects that you've assembled that you want someone to be able to tackle. Mm-hmm. So we start with the job spec. And these are outcomes that we're looking at for, say, no more than 18 to 24 months out. Beyond that, who knows what the outcome might be, right? right. Things are going to change. So we want to be as specific as possible about what needs to be accomplished in that period of time. Flowing from that is what we call the candidate spec. And the candidate spec is really, so what's needed to be able to accomplish those Mm -hmm. uh, uh, outcomes. So in terms of knowledge and skills, experience, in terms of uh, qualitative factors, what are those things that help establish fit, right, with with an organization? We could sort of break down that job spec into what should the person have mm-hmm. in order to achieve that? Um, what are the deal breakers? So, in other words, if they don't have these one or two things, we absolutely can't consider them. But the third thing I find a lot of organizations probably don't spend as much time thinking about is what can be learned. Right. Mm-hmm. And identifying specifically, these are things that uh, a, someone coming into the organization doesn't necessarily need to know, doesn't need to have. They can actually learn that as part of the job. Top talent always wants to learn and grow. If you're only hiring people who've already done the job before, and all you're offering them is a 10% increase. Guess what? The next time somebody else offers them a ten percent increase, they're going to be gone. <laughs> right. So you you want to think about 
how are they, what are they, what's the opportunity for them to learn and grow in the job? If there isn't any, then maybe you ought to be looking at a contractor or a temporary mm-hmm. um, uh, employee. So, so job and candidate specs are the first thing. Second thing would be laying out what's the process, right? What's the, the process for assessment? So you mean the interview process? The interview process, okay. right? So what is the process, you know, in terms of uh, what kind of interviews are we going to conduct? Are we going to have any um, personality assessments involved? Mm-hmm. Um, how long are we planning to do this? What types of interviews are we going to use? So the what, uh, how are we going to do this, right? So, um, how are we going to coordinate the interviews? How are we going to communicate to uh, candidates back and forth during scheduling and giving them updates? How are we going to debrief after we conduct interviews? And then third, um, as part of the, the, what, the this part of the process is the who, who's going to interview and what mm. are their skills, right? right? Do they know what they're doing when they're uh, interviewing? Do they know about the job. Do they know about what actually needs to be accomplished in the mm, job and what those basic. specs are? Mm-hmm. Uh, because if someone's simply brought in to interview but doesn't have the same level of understanding that you have about the job, well, they're going to be assessing that candidate on a different scale than you are. Mm. And, and all you're going to end up with is a different opinion based on a different set of uh, standards, right? So you want to understand the job and candidate specs. You want to understand what the process is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two starting points, I would say. Don Lang is with us, folks, with Blue Key Partners. Also, along with Laura Butcher, is the author of Hire the Best, Find, Interview, and Select Top Talent. So I, I want to... Uh, come back to the, the interviewing process. What, I mean, what are some of the mistakes you see that are common? Right. So probably the ones I see the most uh, common, um, one would be people aren't really sure what the, what they're looking for. Right. Surprisingly, sometimes it's, um, I think I know I have a pretty good idea. I looked at the job description. i I may have made a few notes, but um, I believe that you should probably put as much time into figuring out what the job is, what the outcomes you're looking for, what the job, uh, the candidate specs are Mm -hmm. in terms of knowledge and skills and what can be learned and what's the standard for uh, accepting someone in that job. What is it? What's the level? What's the bar that you're going to set? Is it best available of all the, if 10 people apply, I pick, I'm going to pick one of them no matter what, or I need something, something, somebody that's really very competitive in that industry in order to be successful uh, in accomplishing my goals. Or in some cases it's world-class, right? If I'm at Amazon, I need somebody for supply chain that's world-class to, to head that organization up, right? So defining what the standard is is important. Uh, secondly, I would say it, it comes into some biases, right? 
do we really understand what um, what our prejudices, our biases are? Right? Oh, they went to the same university I did, so that must mean they're really good. Right? Right? Or mm-hmm. they uh, play the same sport that I play, or um, I see they worked for Company X. I have a high regard for Company X. Right? Yeah. So that's even, or I like their resume format or something to that effect. That's even before the interview. Mm -hmm. During the interview, it's, you know, what's the uh, appearance of the individual, right? What's the level of extroversion that I'm seeing in the interview in terms of the presentation skills Mm -hmm. and so forth? The, The way someone talks about a job, let's say, or describes it. So there's a number of biases that, that enter into uh, the picture. Uh, another mistake that I see is often the interviewer talks more than they should be talking. Right? <laughs> uh, I've uh, been with situations where the person doing the interviewing actually probably talked more than the candidate themselves. Right. Mm. And the candidate was more or less agreeing with what the interviewer right. uh, said. So getting that balance, right interviewers should really only be speaking about 20% of the time candidate about 80% of the time. So if you're talking 50% of the time, you're talking too much. And a lot of people don't realize that they're talking that much. If they recorded themselves, they probably find that they did, or they had a third party sit in and, and observe that. Yeah. They would be mortified, I guess. Yeah. 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 So those are uh, probably some of the most common um, situations in an interview situation that I see. Let's uh, jump ahead to um, onboarding and retaining talent. Sure. So it's a lot easier to retain than it is to hire. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there, there in many organizations, there's this sink or swim mindset. I hire someone. You know, I believe they know what they're doing. So uh, there's your workstation. Uh, and nowadays, so many people are working from home. Uh, I'm, I know you have a laptop. I know you have a, a, a mobile phone. Take it away, right? Yeah, right. Uh, the reality is, in order to be successful and successful quickly, you want to invest in that person to make sure that, you know, that, that investment's going to work, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you uh, bought new software, if you bought new technology, you go through lots of training and setup to make sure it's working correctly. You have all sorts of support for that. Well, what are you doing with the new employee, right? Are you helping that person build the relationships with key stakeholders like Mm -hmm. customers or other people that they're going to work and not assume that, oh, I sent a couple emails out to, you know, John and uh, some other folks for uh, this new person to meet, so I'll let them take it from there. Need to be more intentional about uh, facilitating those introductions and and those relationships so that uh, people really learn how work gets done Mm -hmm. and are going to be successful in doing so with other people, mm-hmm. right? So that's uh, that's one of the key areas, I, I believe, of uh, onboarding successfully, right? Yeah. Helping 
helping that person understand what really needs to be accomplished in the first 30 days, 90 days, 120 days, right? Giving them feedback on how they're doing, helping them understand what the communication process is back and forth, those kinds of things. Don, this has been uh, great and a lot of great information and I think helpful information for uh, company leaders. But uh, I want to give you a chance to pound your chest a little bit. Maybe talk about a success story that's uh, illustrative illustrative of the great work you do. Sure. Well, uh, I'll think of a a couple of short examples Mm -hmm. uh, that – that provide a little bit about the range. So one, in one case, it was a uh, relatively small business, but the, um, the owner had a uh, key financial person who was leaving. And so he uh, engaged a um, recruiting firm to go find some candidates uh, for that uh, position and um, engaged me to help him with the interview process. He had already interviewed a number of people and had narrowed it down to five individuals. And uh, so the first thing I asked him was what he had a rather lengthy list of what was um, he was looking for. And we talked about, well, what, what regret or what disappointment did he have on the individual who left? Certainly the person had been there a number of years and had been successful in a number of ways. And it turned out he really wasn't helping him grow the business from Mm -hmm. a financial standpoint. That's what he was looking for. Someone who um, had better uh, understanding of banking and investment firms that could uh, bring more capital to the business and what would be uh, some ways to strategically grow. So using that, we began to do, I I did the interviews with him present Mm. of these five candidates. One of the candidates that was probably for him, the top in the top two of the five in the course of the interview revealed that um, essentially he had embezzled money from a former employer. Oh, wow. Just in the course of asking him questions about things that he wish he could have done differently in a given job, when Mm. we were talking about a specific job, he Mm -hmm. admitted that he regretted not having uh, having taken taken advantage of that uh, business, taking money, and um, uh, was trying to pay that, that individual back, even though that happened about 10 years prior the owner of the business who was sitting there with me, his jaw dropped. He, despite the fact that he interviewed this person, felt really good about it. That never came up in Mm. that interview. Mm. And so we, um, of course, given the uh, fiduciary responsibility of that job, you know, that individual was not going to go forward. So we avoided a, a pretty significant risk um, in that process. In another example, it was a retailer, uh, who, uh, wanted to sold, uh, party goods, right. Um, typically advertised by putting a sign in the window or 
having a posting on their website mm-hmm. and we're looking for cashiers or stockers or whatever. But in talking with him, he what he wanted to accomplish was better engagement with customers. That mm. people would come pick out whatever they wanted. They come to the cash register and the cashier would say, you know, did you find everything? And sometimes the person would say yes and sometimes no. And and they nod okay. <laughs> and so just go ahead and process the transaction. And so what we worked on was a different model than the sort of the high school, what he tended to have were a lot of high school part-timers or sure. someone in college. And we moved to a model where it was um, generally a little older uh, uh, candidates. So they had more experience in party planning. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it was in college uh, right. as well, but that, that would have the experience was really around what we were looking for was experience in events and planning and passionate about having a good party mm-hmm. experience. Sure. And so we looked at how we recruited around that. And so he began looking in different um, avenues to find people like that. He began to change his model around um how we even so we how we sourced people for those kinds of jobs and found that well there are a number of people around that but they didn't they weren't applying to his business necessarily because they didn't want to look at an hourly job but when he explained what he was really looking for and what the value proposition was that mm-hmm. they get enjoyment out of helping people playing a party and have right. a great time he found very responsive candidates. So we found a whole new pool of people that he never was going after before. And that helped him with his business because his average sale transaction went up significantly. Oh yeah. 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 That, wow. What a great story. Um, it's all about value. It, it, Absolutely. Yeah. At the yeah. end of the day, yeah. I love that. Uh, Don Lang, folks, with Blue Key Partners. Don, we could keep talking for quite a while, and uh, I've got more questions I'd love to ask, but we need to let you get on and go solve some more problems for <laughs> for, for employers in their talent quest. Uh, but let's give directions on how folks can find you if they'd like to learn more about you and your services. Sure. So um, the website is um, www bluekeypartners, all one word, dot com. And uh, you can reach me at dlang at bluekeypartners.com. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, and I'd invite you to, it's Don Lang, uh, Blue Key Partners, uh, mm-hmm. as well there. Uh, so any number of ways uh, to connect, and I'd love to talk with you about, you know, what's your situation when it comes to talent and uh, what you'd like to accomplish. Well, Don, we're just delighted you could come in and we could celebrate and honor the great work you're doing. Keep it up and uh, thank you again for uh, being with us. Thank you, John. Pleasure. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick reminder that if you have, maybe you've got administrative tasks or bookkeeping or other back office needs in your business that are keeping you away from 
handling your talent the way you need to handle it, according to Don. You know, that happens a lot. And uh, here's a problem that office angels can help with. Uh, If you've got some of those issues, uh, back office issues, they have angels that fly in, get the job done, and fly out. And they do it on an ongoing or as-needed basis. So it's up to you and your timeline and what you need. The best way to engage is simply go to officeangels.us or give them a call, 770-442-9246. Explain what your problem is, and I think they will be a ideal place for you to solve some of those problems. I know that's true for me and my business, and I think it will be for you. And folks, North Fulton Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. We are uh, grateful and delighted for the support we've had from you over these six and a half years. We're almost up to show number 600 that we've had in our um, in this long uh, journey we've been on. And we would love it if you would continue to support us by sharing the show. So if you've heard something here from uh, Don that makes you think, hey, I know somebody that needs to hear this good this, uh a good work, then uh, please do so for either this show or any of our shows. And of course, uh, if you're not a subscriber, we'd be honored if you'd subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app as well. So for my guest, Don Lang, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.